Alright, how's everybody doing? Everybody doing okay? Everybody in here? We're real close to fall break, I know. We're real close. Alright, so I, I am super excited about starting this brand new uh, sermon series with you, going to the book of James called Where Faith Meets Life. And so James is a very practical book. It's, it's a way to look at how our faith can be lived out in everyday life. It's a way to look at how uh, it's not like we have all these other different parts of our lives and our faith is kind of in its own compartment. We're going to look at how our faith is supposed to be uh, involved in every part of our lives. And so tonight is, is not uh, the prettiest one, but it's something that is, is true. It's something that we will deal with and something that we didn't know how does our faith apply to this. And, and we were singing about it just now. Um, look at, and that's enduring trials. Is facing difficult. And, and how, how troublesome that can be, how disheartening that can be. Many of us can probably look back on the time that was just a really rough season we've gone through. And so uh, I just want to start with, I'm just curious, uh, anybody a runner in here? Anybody that actively runs? Don't be shy, it's all good! Like, just, like you're just a runner. Like, like for, it could be for swim, it could be for cross country, it could be for, you can even say football, basketball, baseball, whatever. How many of you know what like the runner's wall is? Anybody know what that is? Anybody ever heard of like the runner's wall or the marathon wall? No. That knows. So, so what the runner's wall is, it's something when you're running and you just completely run out of energy. Like you just hit a wall, you can't keep going further, but there's like a quarter of a mile still left to go, there's a quarter of the race still left to go, but you have Nothing left. Anybody ever been there? Like you were just so physically exhausted, yeah, you can't like you just hit a brick wall and you just say, I can't keep going forward. Okay. So for, for those of you that have hit that, how did that affect you the next time that you ran? Well, it wasn't running, but it was like so in baseball practice, it was uh -huh. Well, tryouts. It, mm -hmm. it was about three o'clock, mm -hmm. and after we got done fielding and hitting, I was just like, I can't go mm -hmm. anymore. But the next time that I played baseball in that game, I got prepared and it made me a lot better. Yeah. So for some of you that, that hit that runner's wall, did the first time it happened, did you just want to just throw in the towel and give up and be like, this is too exhausting? I can't keep going onward. I I can't like I can't do this. It's exhausting. It's tiresome, right? Yeah. But the next you face runner's wall, you were like, okay, I've been through this before, so I know exactly what to do next time. Has anybody ever been there? Okay, like I, you know, I've faced runner's wall before, I can do this again. And then the next time you face it, it's a little bit easier. Not enjoyable, but it's easier to get through. Anybody been there? So in the same, in the same way how we hit the runner's wall, when we hit that, we're just so out of energy, and we're so exhausted, and we can't do anything else, and we just want to throw in the towel, I mean, it can be the exact same way when we face difficulties and trials and just any time that we have to suffer. Like, the moment that we face any sort of difficulty, our first natural response is that we just want to get out of it. We just want to avoid it like the plague. We want to run away and seek with anything that can comfort us. But, but what I want us to look at tonight in the book of James is that we are to endure through trials. In fact, we're to count trials as a joyful thing, which sounds so off the wall from us. 
But what, as we'll see tonight, is that once we endure through trials, it strengthens our faith in Christ. So the next time that we face a trial, we go, I've been through this before, and I know who will hold me fast through this. So the next time we face a trial, we go, okay, I've been through this before, and I've been strengthened by Christ, and I know who I can run to, and who's going to help me through this. So just like with runner's wall, how initially it can be so difficult, and it still might not be enjoyable each time we face it, that each one prepares us for the next one. And what we're going to see tonight is here is the main point of the message I want you to get, that you'll see on, on some of the pieces of paper. Here is the main point. Endurance through trials is found only through faith in King Jesus. Endurance through trials is found only through faith in King Jesus. Because here's the thing, we as, as fallen, sinful human beings, we are prone to run any which way from trials. Any which direction that is not a trial, we want to run from it. And we want to cling to any earthly comfort we can. That we face difficulty, our natural response is to get out of it as quickly as possible and run to other things to keep our minds off it. Social media, friends, money, different things. However, what I want us to look at tonight is that trials can be a joyful thing. That yes, they might not be happy in the moment, they might not be good, but in the grand scheme of eternity, they're meant to strengthen our faith and help root us more in Christ, how we can look to the gospel. And see that Jesus is truly all that we need. So if, if you have your own Bibles, uh, we're going to be in James chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. If you don't have your Bible with you, I printed on the back of your sheet, so that way you can already follow along with us, so that we don't have to worry about looking it up on your phone or anything else. So if you want to follow along, that way if you want to circle something, write notes in, in, the, in the margins of those things, you have it. And if not, we're also going to have it on the screen the first time we, we preach through it or read through it too, okay? Everybody good? Everybody there? All right. This is the word of the Lord. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it would be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flowers falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of this pursuit. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Dear God, we just come before you, and we just want to learn more about you. Uh, we desire to, to learn what it looks like uh, to cling to Jesus in the middle of storms, that we can run to him no matter what we face, knowing that you care about all of our needs, that you will give us wisdom to endure through that, and that you will just help us through it all, and in turn, it will make us more like Christ and strengthen our faith in Christ. So God, again, I pray that I will just hide behind your word and let your word speak for itself. Anything that is of my own opinion, I pray will be forgotten and not remembered. And I pray that your pure truth and word will be what remains. 
and takes root in our lives, and the Holy Spirit will help us live that out every single day. So I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so there is three truths that uh, James wants us to get out of this passage. So if we are to endure through all these trials, and endurance can only be found through faith alone in King Jesus, then there's three truths that he tells us here that we can believe in to help us with that endurance. And the first one is this. Main point number one is that joyful suffering produces strengthened faith. Joyful suffering produces strengthened faith. And like it says in verse 2, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So right off the bat, what James is telling us is not if you face trials, but when you face trials. Because here's the thing. In this life, you're going to face difficulties. We're going to be facing challenges. We're going to be facing trials. Because we live in a fallen, sinful human world, unfortunately, that has infected every aspect of it by sin. So it's not a matter of if we face trials, but a matter of when. Okay, so when we face trials, James says there are two commands that we are to obey and how to respond when we face trials. And the first command is this, is that we are to count them as joy. We are to count these as joy. And the second one is, is to let steadfastness have its full effect. The two commands we are to obey is that we are to count them as joy. And we are to let steadfastness have its full effect. And that when we obey those two commands, there is a promise that comes about from obeying those two commands. So when we count trials as joy, the result is that it produces steadfastness. When we count them as joy, it'll produce steadfastness. And the second command, when we let steadfastness have its full effect, the promise is that we'll be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. They'll be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. So let's look at these two commands and what that looks like. The first one is to count them as joy. Now, what I want us to know is that there is a big difference between joy and happiness, okay? That we are to count them as joy. We're not to count them as happy. And here's the reason why. Happiness is a moment-by-moment feeling of when things are going our way and our timing how we would like it. How when things are going good, we feel good. We're good. But the difference is with joy, what joy is, it is, it is what we're doing is we're submitting to the truth that God is ultimately in control. That he is all-powerful, that he is all-knowing, that he is sovereign over everything, and that he will work everything out for his good. So regardless of what happens moment by moment, that we are going to trust in God. That even if it's not the most happiest thing to deal with, I'm going to joyfully submit knowing that he is in control and he's going to work all of this out for our good and his glory. In fact, it says in Romans 8.28 that he works out all things good for those who love him. That as we hold fast to him, that we will be able to grow more like Christ. And he's going to work in that. So let me ask you this. How do you view trials and difficulties? So when difficulties come your way, when trials come your way, when unexpected news comes your way that you weren't expecting, how do you respond to that? Just to think, like, do, do you run from it immediately, or do you try to endure through it? What, what is your first response when dealing with trials? Because we as believers are to view trials from the perspective of God. That ultimately we're supposed to view it from the perspective of eternity. 
In 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18, it says, These light, momentary afflictions pale in comparison to the eternal weight of glory that we will see and that He will produce in us. That when we view it from the grand scope of eternity, these things in the moment that seem so awful, so just difficult, in comparison to eternity, they are so light into the weight of glory that will be produced in us and that we will see if we endure until the end. Because here's the thing, trials only make sense to those that have faith. Trials make sense to only those that have faith, because it says, count it as joy when you face trials of any kind, knowing that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The only way we can be joyful through trials is if we have faith, because if we don't have faith in Christ, these trials make no sense to us. And so if, if we don't have faith, these trials make no sense, and it's hard to test something that we don't have. You cannot test something you don't have. These trials aren't naturally joyful. No one signs up to suffer. No one says, yeah, I'll go through a storm. Yeah, I'll, I'll go through a torn ACL. Yeah, I'll go through all these different sufferings. I'll sign up for that. No. But when we have faith, we can joyfully submit to God, knowing that no matter what happens, moment by moment, we can trust in Him, and He will guide us through this. And that in turn, it will produce steadfastness. And what steadfastness means, it's like an inner strength. It's an inner power to endure through hardships and trials and troubles. In fact, it says it's an inner strength and power to help us remain under a weight. So no matter how much this weight of how, of how heavy it feels to be going through a trial, that God will strengthen us to go through it no matter what. So once we count trials as joyful, this steadfastness will start to be produced in our lives. And then we'll be able to obey the second command we talked about, which is let steadfastness have its full effect. And so this whole let steadfastness, let this inner strength working in you have its full effect is twofold. The first one is this, is that our character becomes more like Christ. That as we're dealing with trials, we're continually resting in Christ, we're continually turning to Him, we're continually resting in Him, knowing that He is in control. <clears throat> that way our character becomes more like Him as we lean more into Him. And the second one is this, is that we view it with the end in mind when Christ comes back. That as we do this continually, day by day, as we rest in Him, rest in His providence, knowing that He's in control, that we'll become more like Him in His image. Knowing that He is all that we need. That during our trials, we keep the end in mind. That these trials have an end game. These trials have an end game, and it's when Christ comes back and reconciles everything to Himself. A way I want us to think about this is like gold being refined. So gold in its process, the way it needs to be refined is, is they want to make it more and more pure. But the only way we can make gold more and more pure is if it gets put into the fire. So once it gets put into the fire, what it's supposed to do is supposed to burn off more and more impurities to make it that much more pure, that much more solid, that much more whole, and a better piece of gold. It's the same way with us is that when we go through trials, the only way to remove more impurities and more imperfections from us is that we go through the fire. Is that we continually go through the fire and that's going to shape more of us. It's going to shape us more towards Christ. It's going to burn off more and more impurities as we go through it. And then, in the end, ultimately, when we endure through it, it will lead to when Jesus comes back and reconciles everything how beautiful it'll be that, that no longer we have to worry about just our character being perfect, but every impurity in the world will be removed. Every sin, 
every hardship, every difficulty, all of the cancer, all of the difficulties that we go through will all be gone and that we'll be perfect in everything. And that we can hold fast knowing that in the end, Christ is what matters. Like I said, main point number one is joyful suffering produces strengthened faith. Which leads to our second main point, which is this, is that God provides for those who ask in faith. God provides for those who ask in faith. So like it says, if any of you, like it says in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. Anybody ever been in just the middle of a trial, middle of a difficulty, and you literally go, I have no idea what to do. I just, I don't know what to do. Anybody have those moments? Right? It's difficult. We, whether it be just in the middle of a test and we go, I don't know what to do. Or it could be in the middle of just unexpected news and just difficulty and maybe troubles at home or with family or friends. And we go, I just don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn. And in these moments, we can be like one of two people when we face these I don't know moments. We can either be those who have faith in God, or we can be those who doubt God. We can be those who have faith in God, meaning they have a confident, unwavering trust in God. Or we can be those who doubt God, those who pause, those who kind of hold back in uncertainty. Like, I don't know, can he really do this? Can he truly help me with this? Is he truly in control? Because in those moments, we are to turn to God, and we are to cry out for help from him. Because here's the thing, the only way we know how to get through trials is by wisdom. And the only place wisdom comes from is from God. So the first person like that is those who act in faith. Think about this, God loves and longs to provide for the needs of his children. But they must ask with undivided faith. Because like it says, if we ask in faith, undivided faith, unwavering trust and confidence in God and who he is, that he will give generously and without reproach. And what those two words mean is generously means just simple, no strings attached, no limit, without hesitation. And what reproach means, it means like to express criticism for us. So what God's saying is if you come and ask in faith, God is saying, I will, I will have no limit on how much wisdom and how much love and how much patience I will give to you. More so than that, I'm not going to hold your past failures against you. So he's not going to look at the last time and go, well, here he comes again. Think about what he did last time. You messed up last time. Think about the last time he went through a trial and he didn't come to me then. No, when we come in faith, God loves that and longs for that, that he wants to provide for the needs of his children. He simply wants to give us all that we need in order to follow him and obey him. In fact, it says in Philippians 4.19 that my God will provide all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That when we come to God and cry out to him with undivided faith, we have the unlimited riches of heaven to help us through this. So here's the thing, is that God doesn't look at our past sins and failures. God doesn't look at how we handled the last trial we went through. But what he sees, he sees a child that he loves and needs, and that he hears your cries. He hears when you cry out for him. When you think you're all alone and there's no one else around, he hears you. And he longs to meet you where you're at in that. One of the biggest ways that we can see that God will hold nothing back to provide for the needs of his children is when we look at the cross of Christ. 
that God did not think about this. Jesus saw all of our sins, past, present, future. All the times we mess up, all the times we turn from him, all the times we fall, and Jesus says, I'm still going to step down and die on a cross to save my people from their sins for all of time. That God held nothing back in order to save us. And so he's going to hold nothing back for us that cry out to him in help. Uh, a way I want to look at this is like a child running to the arms of their father during a storm. Anybody ever, when you were young, you just faced like a really bad storm or like something really scary happened or like you felt real hard on the playground or, or basketball court or field or whatever else? Where's one of the first places you ran and you got scared? Into the arms of your parents. And think about this. It's not like the dad goes, well, he was misbehaving earlier. He was throwing a tantrum. He was messing up. He was acting out earlier. So why should I care for him now? Or it's not like he said, well, this is like the billionth time in a row he's come crying to me. And like running into my arms and just wants my help. No, the father loves to wrap his arms around his child and care for him in the middle of the storm, comfort him through all of it, to say, it's okay. I am here with you. It's the exact same way with God when we cry out to God, God, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn, but I need you. God loves to meet us exactly where we're at. Think about this. Jesus wants to meet you in the middle of your storm. He's not scared of it. He's not intimidated by it. But he wants to meet you in the middle of where you're at and help guide you through it. He's not going to deliver you outside of it and away from it. He's going to deliver you through it. But he's going to be with you every step of the way through it. Because God gives us the wisdom to know that he does not waste any trial. God does not waste any pain. God does not waste any bad suffering that we go through. There's a quote I love uh, from a book called Look and Live by Matt Papa, where it talks about looking at just the all-consuming, amazing glory of Christ. And uh, I love this quote about just salvation and about our suffering and how to view it. And here's what it says. See how heaven ordered such deep pain for the salvation of the world and for your soul. And know that if Jesus' deepest pain will never be wasted, neither will yours. If we see Jesus screaming why in our place, we will never scream why again in despair, only in wonder. So since God did not waste any pain for our salvation, we can come to him in full assurance of faith, knowing that he will join us in our trials, he will give us wisdom on how to maintain and navigate through the trial, and he will guide us with it through it every step of the way. In fact, what it says here when it says, if you lack wisdom, ask. Ask and he will give generously. It's based off Matthew 7, 7, where Jesus saying, no, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking, keep seeking me and you will find it. You will receive it. You will get it. It's the same thing with this, is that when we come in faith, no matter what we go through, Jesus saying, come to me, come to me. I will help you. I will guide you through it. I will comfort you. Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Let me ask you this. Do you truly believe God will meet you where you are and give you all you need? Do you truly believe that Jesus is enough? And whenever we start to doubt, look to the cross. The cross gives us full assurance that God will forgive us and give us all we need to endure, knowing that he did not hold anything back to save us and he will not hold anything back now to help us through uh, the next person, like it says, okay, those who have faith, but then there's those who doubt. 
for those who doubt, they have this, this, like, this, this divided loyalty between God and the world. So one moment, they're really high on God. The next moment, they're really high on the world. They're unstable in all their ways. They're, they're double-minded, as it says. It's the people that believe in blind luck just as much as they do the sovereignty of God. Someone, it says someone who they're doubting. It says they're tossed, driven and tossed by the winds and the waves of the sea. They're tossed back and forth because they're trying to believe in any sort of philosophy to help them through this. The person that doubts is unstable in all of their ways. And what unstable means, it means they're restless. Is they're, they're lacking stability or firmness to help them through. So someone who doubts is who doesn't know where to turn in times of difficulty. Ultimately, they turn to themselves and they try to seek what's best for themselves. And how to get out of it. So people who have divided loyalty between God and the world cannot expect to receive anything from God. Because like I said, God provides those for those who ask in faith. Because God provides for his children. God longs to provide for the needs of his children. Third truth we see in this is that in the end, Christ remains. That in the end, Christ remains. So we see two different kinds of people in these next few verses, 9 9 and 10, how it says there's the lowly brother, the poor brother, and then there's the rich brother. And so here's the thing. So they both have different statuses, but it's how, if they have the same status, but it's how they boast in it. So their status is they're both the same in Christ. So it's how they respond to their circumstances that they're doing. So the first person, the poor person, is boasting in their exaltation. Meaning, they're both knowing, like, okay, my, my finances are poor, my health is poor, emotionally I'm poor, but I know that Christ is all that I need. And that in the end, I will see the beautiful exaltation when I see him face to face. Then there's the rich person boasting in their humiliation. Meaning, okay, yes, I may be rich financially, I may be rich uh, physically, emotionally, all these things, but I'm going to humble myself just as Christ humbled himself and see that Jesus is better than all these other things that he's given me. See, the poor person is poor and powerless in their circumstances, but they say, you know what? Regardless of my circumstances, Jesus is enough. And that the rich person, no matter how much riches they have, they say, you know what? Jesus is better. So let me ask you this. What are you ultimately relying on? Like the rich person could have just relied on their wealth, could have relied on that, and that was more than enough for them. So what are you ultimately relying on? Are you relying on your wealth? Are you relying on your athletic ability or your health? Are you relying on your talent? Because here's the thing, eventually those will run out. As, as followers of Christ, we are to fully trust and rely on Christ. That regardless of how the rich or how poor we are, that in the end we see Jesus is enough. Because in the end, Jesus is who will remain. How we see this uh, in, in verse the second half of verse 10, like a flower of the grass, you will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. And what's that meaning? It's, it's, it's referring to Isaiah 48 where it says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. That riches run out, possessions will deteriorate, but the word of God stands forever. And then it says, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Because worldly pursuits will never satisfy. They will always come up short. They will never be enough. That the things of this world will fade and perish, but Christ never will. 
I'm not saying the things of this world are inherently evil. I'm not saying it's bad that you're talented in sports or that you've been gifted, that maybe God has gifted you with wealth. I'm not saying that's inherently bad. It's inherently bad when we put that above Christ and that's what we rely on more whenever we face things. Because honestly, ultimately, these things that we've been given, whether it be wealth or health or athletics, whatever it is, they're supposed to be scattered beams of God's glory. Ultimately, they're supposed to point back to where they ultimately came from, which is Christ. And so we're to look to the cross. Like I said, it comes ultimately to the cross. That at the cross is where we find salvation. At the cross is where we find our hope to cling to in the direst of storms. At the cross is where regardless of status, we are all the same in Christ. And at the cross, we find the strength we need in order to endure until the end. The cross is where we find our salvation. At the cross is where we find our hope to cling to for the direst of storms. At the cross is where regardless of status, we are all the same in Christ. At the cross is where we find the strength we need in order to endure until the end. And here's the thing, when we endure until the end, we will see when we enter into eternity and stand face to face with Jesus, that he is enough. That, that as it says in verse 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. That we endure through the end, we're clinging to Christ, and we finally stand face to face with him, that we will receive the crown of life, which is that we're going to toss out his feet anyway because he is worth it, and he is enough, and he is all that we need. That the cross is better, that the cross is enough, that for all eternity we get to look to the cross and worship and say, thank God he held nothing back in order to save me, and he will hold nothing back to help endure me until the end. When we have that perspective, that, okay, this, this affliction we're dealing with right now may be momentary and difficult and painful, but when we view it from comparison of eternity, it pales in comparison. And then in the end, we will see this. We will see that your trials were not in vain. All the times you ran to God for help were not in vain. All the times you cried out to him in the middle of the night were not wasted. That none of it was left unheard. But Jesus is worth it more than anything else. Anything the world could offer. And like I said, in the end, we will see Christ will be the one that remains. That Jesus is better. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is enough. Because in the end, Christ remains. Here's the thing. Trials will come and go through this fallen world. The only way we can face and endure through these trials is through faith in Christ. That joyfully suffering for him will produce the strength in faith. That he will provide all we need when we ask of him. And that when it's all said and done, we will see it through Christ remains. And he is enough. So maybe some of you in here tonight, you're hearing about this faith. Okay, what does it mean to have faith to endure through trials? What does it mean to have faith in Christ as you're going through trials? And maybe even running in every other direction but Christ. And as you run in every other direction, as you pursue every other thing, it just leaves you more tired, more weary, more worried, more exhausted, and just longing for something better. I have good news, and it's called the gospel. That you can come to Jesus tonight. 
that you can come to Christ, repent of your sins, believe in him and his finished work on the cross. And he is faithful to forgive you, he is faithful to save you, and he's faithful to deliver you through these storms. Maybe some of you in here, you are a follower of Christ, you have repented of your sins, you believed in him, you're following him, but it's just so difficult. You're just facing difficulty, and, and you were just tired, and you were exhausted. I have good news for you, too, and it's the gospel. That you can preach the gospel yourself every single day. Now, the gospel is for you, too. That the gospel is not just what saves us, it's what sanctifies us, it holds us fast, it strengthens us day by day. Christ sees you, and he hears you. You are not alone. This is not in vain. His mercies are new every single day. He will strengthen you to endure until the end. So in the end, you will see him face to face. And then maybe some of you in here, you know Christ, and, and things are going really well. All right? You're not going through trials yourself. Things are going well. Here's my encouragement to y'all. Keep running to Christ. Keep clinging to Christ. Don't boast in the good days. Don't boast in all, all the good stuff that maybe you have right now. But continue to boast in Christ. And continue to know that he is more than enough. And here's my other encouragement. Maybe some of you, like I said, you're following Christ. You're doing well. Come alongside your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are also dealing with that. That you are to bear burdens with them. That God has given us this beautiful thing called the church to bear these with us. He's given us each other. He's given us this family, the LSM, to bear burdens with one another. He's given us the incredible adult leaders to help guide us through this and bear these burdens with us. It says in Galatians 6, 2, that we are to bear one another's burdens as to obey Christ. Now it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, that when one member of the body suffers, we all suffer. But one of them rejoices, we all rejoice. So in the end, Christ is what remains. In the end, the gospel is what will hold us fast. And then we cling to the gospel. We joyfully suffer. We look to God for everything with undivided faith. We will see in the end, Christ is what remains. Because endurance through trials is only possible through faith alone in King Jesus. So I want to do something a little bit different tonight. Harrison, what you see on the bottom of your guys' pages is, is a response. It's a couple lines of response. And so what I'm going to have is I'm going to have Caleb and Nat. They're going to come back up, and Caleb's going to start playing guitar a little bit. And I just want you guys to take a minute or two to think about what we've talked about tonight. Maybe there's something that God has talked to you about. Maybe there's something that God has laid on your heart. Maybe there's something that God is speaking to you of how you want to respond to what you've heard tonight from his word. And so I just want you to take a minute or two. Just be quiet and respectful to those around us. And just write out a response that maybe you have. It could be a sin to confess. It could be a way to come back to Christ. And after that, we're going to play, we're going to sing one more song. And so I just want you to take a couple minutes, just between you and God, don't worry about anybody else around you, just maybe what God is telling you and how to respond.